0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa Welcome everyone back to the Umrapreneur live podcast. I know we've been away for a few weeks, but we're finally back. And today I have a very special guest for you. My guest is Dr. Ayat Maki. Dr. Ayat, assalamu alaikum wa, wa
1: alaikum It's lovely to be here. Thank <laughs> we're you so for
0: excited. having me. We're so excited to have you. And just to kind of let our guests know a little bit more about you, and uh, Dr. Right. Ayat Maki is a master coach, she specializes in healing trauma and abuse, and she uses a few different methodologies. Among them is neurolinguistic programming, which is NLP and theta healing, also known as energy healing as well. And she's helped her clients with issues such as overcoming toxic relationships, phobias, panic attacks, anxiety, uh, general self-doubt and helplessness, and so many other, uh, other things, mashallah. And so on this episode today, I'm bringing her on because I wanna talk about the topic of conquering your limiting beliefs, a topic that is so important for us as entrepreneurs, how to build up our self-confidence so we can excel in our business and reach the goals that we desire inshallah. So I'm really excited that I've had this conversation with you, and I'm sure that's going to be extremely valuable for our listeners as well. So welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really excited too. And I, I really look forward to chatting with you and hopefully shedding some light for your viewership, inshallah.
0: Inshallah, definitely. And uh, the best place to start, and this is where we like to start with every guest, is if you can share with us the story behind what inspired you to become an entrepreneur. So what started it all for you in the first place? Right.
1: Okay. So, so if I go back, my training and my education was to, be, to become a medical doctor, which I did. And I wasn't necessarily, I didn't have the entrepreneurial bug at that time at all. I was just focused on my studies uh, and on this journey of becoming a medical doctor, which takes years and years and years. And when I started working as a medical doctor, I found joy. The most joy I had was when I was teaching my peers. <laughs> Mm. I we had a, a continuing medical education a CME s- system where every doctor would present something um, about you know the 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 cases that we were uh, seeing or like any particular disease and I just found my myself always being a, um, a volunteer for that like I just keep saying okay I want to be I want to be I want to present I want to present and I and I just loved it. I loved it. And even in medical school, uh, I used to be the, the person who took the notes and then did small study groups and found myself again explaining things. So I've always been very, very passionate about education and 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 teaching. So a couple of years in, I decided that this was not for me because I also am an empath and I found it really, really hard to continue to watch suffering and give symptomatic treatment most of the time. I'm not dissing, you know, the, me- the allopathic or the medical field at all. But I'm just, you know, for me as an empath, it was really difficult to just keep watching people suffer and not really. And sometimes, you know, that feeling of helplessness. So mm-hmm. I know exactly how that feels um, as a medical doctor, you um, and so I started looking at where can I teach and still have my medical um, uh, experience validated and use that in my teaching. So I became a trainer uh, in resuscitation and I, it was perfect for me because um, I was training medical uh, professionals and I was still teaching. So it was kind of like the perfect marriage, uh, mm-hmm. so to speak. And I did that for uh, for like close to 10 years. And then uh, the career that I loved so much and that I excelled in, and I've kind of reached the, to- the, the, the top level of it, let's say. Like I, mm-hmm. there was no more to aspire uh, to in that field anymore. And I then found myself out of a job. So that's mm-hmm. the true story. I found myself, I was laid off. Um, long story short, I was laid off because there was some you know there was there was an issue, uh, not with me but with the leadership in the company anyway uh, long story short, I like I did end up suing that <laughs> suing them and winning mm-hmm. uh, because it was an unfair dismissal. but during that time, I really felt like, That's all I wanted to do. Mm. And I remember I have a a group in Abu Dhabi called the Abu Dhabi Sisterhood and Women Empowerment Group. We've got over a 1,000 members and we meet in person uh, and online. And that group I started in 2015, in May 2015, because I I felt like as expats in Abu Dhabi, because I'm I'm from Sudan, I'm an expat living in, uh, in Abu Dhabi, as expats in Abu Dhabi, especially women, it can be hard to cultivate relationships, to find like-minded people, and it can be lonely. And I knew that at that time, businesses were starting to come on board, like female uh, uh, or women-led businesses and women entrepreneurs. And I wanted them to have this it's completely free by the way so they're like I wanted them to have this space where they can come and you know show us their products and sell to us and advertise and also connect with other like-minded women so in one of our sisterhood um meetups we we were playing this game and the game was what would you do if you weren't doing what you did now and I had literally just lost my job like I was I was you know, still grieving because that was like a big part, you know, my I loved, I absolutely loved my job. And when it was my turn, I said coaching. And I honestly did not know where that came from. I spent the rest of the meetup very quiet because I was trying to figure out How did that answer come about? Because it wasn't really something. And I think it's just one of those um, deeply intuitive, you know, moments where the answer was totally subconscious. And a big part of my job was to train trainers uh, and to mentor them and to coach Mm -hmm. them. So I was really happy. Now I have, you know, I have a clue on what I can do, you know, next, So that's when I started my research and I decided to choose NLP. And then my NLP journey started with uh, one of the founders of NLP, Dr. Richard Bandler. So I flew to the UK and I flew to the US to train with him. I'm an NLP trainer. Actually, I'm certified to train NLP -er, uh, people who want to become NLPers or NLP coaches. And uh, yeah, so my journey started four years ago, four and a half years ago as an entrepreneur.
0: I want to just comment on that real quick so like the the journey really and the catalyst I think and this is where a lot of people we sometimes something happens to us and we don't understand uh the Mm -hmm. wisdom behind it right and we we all know that Allah has a plan for us and there's a certain trajectory in life that we that we are meant to take and in that moment I'm sure in that moment when you were laid off uh from from your your you know 10-year career Mm -hmm. you felt like this was uh, you know a negative event right something that mm-hmm. wasn't a positive uh, event in your life but then when you look back now do you, does that perspective change is that perspective any different for you
1: oh 100% back? 100% because
0: mm-hmm.
1: honestly if i'm being completely truthful i had decided that in 6 months i was going to reevaluate the situation that i was in the the job that i was in mm-hmm. because i had reached the maximum where you can reach in that career as a a, a trainer. I started as a, tr- a trainer and then I became a, a, a trainer's trainer and there was, you know, that was it for me, so to speak in that career. So I was questioning it already. And I think, you know, I just received the, you know, the right kick at the right time that, you know, to just like, okay, so it's, it's, my time is up in that world. And, um, And I needed to just, I needed to go and pursue other things. And I did start another business while, while, um, I'm not someone who can sit, uh, still or do nothing. So I did start another business. It's a doll business. It's a nesting doll business. And that's a completely other story. But when it comes to, uh, so I did that while, while learning about coaching, while studying Mm -hmm while becoming a coach and i um yeah so that was really great for me so i kind of like i went all in into entrepreneurship <laughs> so to speak yeah
0: right i love it yeah. so did you always feel like you had an uh a knack for uh like a lot of people ask like you know is there do you feel like you're born an entrepreneur or can you become an entrepreneur as I mean, did you did you feel like you had something within you that stood out or that uh that really made you feel like you know i I'm meant for a little bit more than this, or I don't, I, I don't feel like I'm really within my zone when you were at your job or did it just, did you just kind of gravitate to it? And then you realized, Oh, wow, I'm really, this is, this is where I belong.
1: That's a great question. Actually. I've always known that there was something that I could do. That There was something more that, and I come from a family. My mom, especially has always told us, you know, that like, I have five, we're five, um, um, five in total, like three girls and two boys, and I'm the eldest. Mm -hmm. And my mom has always encouraged us to pursue things that are not necessarily, um, the norm or to go for something if we believe in it. And, and my dad also, like, he was very supportive. He's a medical doctor. And you can imagine the shock of everybody when I said, like, I no longer want to be a doctor. But but I've always felt like, yeah, there was something about me. I You know, I can almost say that there was something special. I connected with people easily. People were able to trust me with, you know, their lives from a very long time, even before, from way before uh, I became a coach. They trust me with their... Uh, stories, they come to me for advice, and that is, and and I, I noticed that it was actually people who were in their seventies as well as people in their who were like teenagers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did know that there was something different about me. I just wasn't sure what it was. And the journey of coaching, when I became a coach, I became a coach because I wanted to do it for me. Because I needed to understand how the human mind works, and mm-hmm. I wanted to understand how I can, you know, um, get through the hardships of life. Because I did experience hardship in my life, and there were moments where I didn't know what what I could do. So the only solution for me was to suppress emotion mm-hmm. and just bottle everything in and keep going. And coaching gave me tools. To, and showed me how to work with myself, so that I no longer needed to suppress my emotions, and I can actually mm-hmm. um, release in a very healthy way and uh, cope with everything in a more healthy way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And so now you're trying to bring that knowledge, and obviously you've also studied a lot and done a lot of education, education yourself, or gone mm-hmm. through a lot of education yourself to try to help your clients at a high level or going through, you know, moments like this, or even moments that are much harder than this, including trauma um, and abuse. And so I want to, I want to ask you a little bit about that. So what is it specifically that, you know, motivated you or inspired you to go and focus on that field of really helping people heal uh, within the fields of trauma or abuse, right, which is sometimes a bit of a difficult topic to even get into?
1: I didn't choose it, it chose me. When I started my coaching business um, four years ago, the initial clients that were drawn to me were clients who were who, who have survived deep trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in this world, we are given opportunities where we can look at ourselves through helping other people. And I was going through my own um my own trauma, my own um, toxic relationships, my own struggles when I received those clients. And obviously, if that was going on internally with me, based on the law of attraction, I attracted these clients because, and not because, you know, I was not necessarily because I was um, uh, like projecting misery. But because it's for my highest good, and because I needed to learn through helping them how to help myself. Because mm-hmm. initially, the journey of the coach, and this is something that is not necessarily spoken about a lot, we become coaches because we're looking for an answer. We're looking to help ourselves. And through doing that, we learn that every client we coach is going to teach us something about our own struggles hmm. and we don't have to be uh, there or have it all figured out in order to help others because when people start to help in the field of any 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 field that is of service to others when people begin there they're trying to solve a problem that they already have within themselves mm. and it's okay it doesn't make me it doesn't make me or anyone else less of a coach if they are struggling because we're all humans and we're all gonna experience some sort of struggle in our lives but yeah these clients were were drawn to me and through coaching them and helping them i i started to educate myself more because i was a, co- a client chooses the coach Mm -hmm. the coach doesn't necessarily choose the client initially so I felt this huge responsibility that I needed to know everything about these situations in order to help those clients Mm -hmm. and that's where I got into the field of learning and educating myself about trauma Mm -hmm. and I found that you know one particular client very early in my coaching career this client taught me so much because that client has had attempted suicide 3 times and through their suicide attempt they lived every single time but they kind of lost hope in everything including faith mm. and and that client after our coaching was, was actually went to umrah <laughs> and that was That was, like, incredible, you know, for me. It was incredible. It was so, you know, such a teaching experience for me. And uh, alhamdulillah, so I found great success with working with those issues that no one wanted to work with because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not a trauma therapist and there are therapists that go and, you know, for years and years and years and educate themselves. But I knew what what I could do was get to the root cause. I'm like a detective with my clients. I know exactly how to get to that root cause and with me, they know that they can't hide because I also have very deep intuition. So, you know, if a client is hiding something that they don't want to say or they don't think it's, it's not necessarily that they don't want to say it, it's that they they think it's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. I actually ask them, what else are you hiding from me? And then, you know, connect those dots for them. And one of the for very first things that I told myself, you know, when I started coaching, is that I'm going to empower my clients so that they don't feel dependent. Because we all know how therapy people can go to therapy for thirty years, twenty years, ten years, and that's a very long time. So for me, my goal is to get them um, independent and really, really empowered by the fourth session. Mm-hmm. So that that is like over the four weeks.
0: So uh it's interesting because you started off your journey as a medical doctor and as a medical doctor you are trying to heal your patients right however it's in a different way And what you mentioned earlier i completely agree with where uh in the current modern field of medicine you are treating the symptom more often than you are treating the root cause and then you realize that you wanted to become a coach you went on this journey of entrepreneurship that you've began and now it's interesting because what i see here is that now you've gravitated more towards tackling the root cause instead of the symptom, right? Because the symptoms of, you know, these internal issues, these, whether they're psychological um, or or other, could many times manifest as physical issues as well. Uh, And that ends up manifesting, whether it's anxiety or stress or trauma or helplessness, it could sometimes manifest physically in that you were starting to feel, you know, stomach pains or stomach issues. It could be digestive issues. It could be a load of other issues, right? And it's interesting subhanAllah you went from this journey of kind of treating the symptom and, as a medical doctor and then realizing, let me go and heal people still, but in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. And you're still very much a healer, mashallah. So it's it's really beautiful to see how you've gravitated towards a different approach, but doing the same thing.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, now just getting to the root cause really alleviates um, many dis- diseases because disease mm-hmm. is actually dis-ease and it's when we have these thoughts and emotions that ke- wreak havoc in, in on our bodies and you know there are a couple of things i those are the things that i don't necessarily advertise or talk about or even put on my social media uh some of the experiences that i have had with clients especially females who have had endometriosis mm-hmm. or have had um really really difficult um uh periods, you know, for these women. And though that is all gone. I've had, you know, um success with that. And alhamdulillah, it's it's been so lovely to see that once you heal the trauma, once you heal the the emotional aspect, because there's an emotional charge that needs to be released. If it's not released, then it's it's gonna stagnate in the body in the form of stuck energy and that energy is going to cause disease. Mm. so once I it's love released
0: that. yeah alhamdulillah i completely love that i completely agree honestly and i think a lot of the problems that we have and we experience physically are very much tied into what's happening within our minds and internally as well and it's all connected right it's one big system so i want to now take this conversation and, and start to dive a little bit deeper towards entrepreneurship towards conquering our limiting beliefs and uh, really giving our listeners some tips there as well but before we we go there I want to ask you because we introduced you as a master coach today. And I want to know what does that mean? How did you even go about becoming a master coach? For someone that's interested in becoming a master coach, what does it mean? What's that journey like? How do you become a master coach?
1: Okay, so there are many ways to go about being a master coach, but one way is that you coach thousands of hours. Some some Um, some accreditation bodies will tell you to coach or will ask you to coach 2,500 hours. Mm -hmm. Some will be 1,000 hours. I did not um, go through these bodies. So the reason I call myself a master coach is completely different. It's because Mm -hmm. I have achieved mastery in what I do. Mm-hmm. And in how quickly I can get to the root cause as evident with, by my clients and testimonials. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that I have this name from an, an official body. And you know I'm always honest about that. It's not that, yeah. but it is the fact that how quickly and how efficiently I can get to the root cause. And there's just having mastery and finesse right. in what I do.
0: I love that, mashallah. And what is NLP exactly? We also talked about NLP in the intro. For people who don't know what that is, what is it? How do you use it to help your clients? Why is this beneficial?
1: NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming and it is the it, it is the art of influence and communication. Mm-hmm. NLP helps with our thoughts. It's the, it's the way we can uh, rewire our brains to... Uh, to install new behaviors, new habits. It is how we can get rid of phobias. And it's all done through language and starting new neural networks in the brain. And that is done by um, by hypnosis. Because as an NLP, uh, you get certified in a, a, as, a, a, as a... Not a hypnotherapist, but a hypnotist. Okay. So you can use hypnosis uh, to... Let the patient, the sorry, not the patient, the client. Let the Mm. client completely relax and get to the root of that issue. Mm. In NLP, phobia is treated within seven minutes. It's very quick. It's really fast. But what's wonderful about NLP is that you learn how to speak with very to learn. You learn how to use your words, Mm. and you learn the power of using words in a way that can affect change with Mm. others. So if you look at all politicians, almost all of them, politicians, uh, famous people, famous public figures, actors, authors, most of them will have um, taken a a course in NLP at some point. Mm. Because NLP, really, what it does is it helps you get to people, connect with people so much easier. And it really gives you the language and it shows you what to do and what not to do in terms of language. For example, like when when I did my uh, NLP courses with Dr. Richard Bandler, a lot of the the audience were people who are entrepreneurs, Uh, There were, there were people in the media industry, there were lawyers there, uh, because you also learn how to read the body and the Mm. body language and how to even read verbal, like the IQs and Mm. the, you know, where the patient, where the client's eyes go is how you can know whether they're truthful or lying. Obviously, it's, this is a very big blanket statement because, you know, there will always be exceptions to rules, but uh nlp really is the art of influence that's how i like to refer to it it's the art of influence and it teaches you how to connect and develop rapport very quickly with the client that you're working with and one field that is really fond of nlp is uh human resources they are they love take coming and doing nlp courses because it really helps them with managing employees
0: Mm. Yeah, so oh, that's amazing. A, yeah, so I, I w- I'm very curious about it now. And so, would, would you recommend for someone who's aspiring to be a coach or an entrepreneur, do you think it's useful for them to take an NLP course at some point?
1: I recommend everyone take NLP, and there's an organization called NLP for Kids this is, they, they're trying so hard to bring NLP to schools. Mm. I think everyone can benefit from doing an NLP course. Uh, it's two levels. There's a practitioner and a master practitioner. Mm. And then the the third level is trainer if you want to. So with practitioner and master practitioner, you learn so much about communication and even sales. So sales, very big sales companies or companies that have big brands or, um, you know, really well-known companies around the world, they send their employees to do NLP courses because they teach them how to sell. Because with NLP, it's so easy to focus on, you know, literally like finding out what the person in front of you needs and just give it to them. Mm -hmm. And you can sell them a product or a service through that. So as a coach... Doing an NLP course equips you with everything you need, not only to actually help and support your client, but also how to become an, a, like a, an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. especially with the language. Like that's the, to me, the language, I, I love that aspect of NLP is, you know, the language and how you can use language to really, really affect change with uh,
0: clients It's interesting that you say that. And I think, honestly, when you think of entrepreneurship, at the end of the day, to be a successful entrepreneur, you need to know how to communicate with your clients in the most effective way and also how to influence, right? Because you want to influence people, whether it's to know, like, and trust you or your product, uh, or to believe that your product is the right fit for them. You're trying to positively influence, not negatively, positively influence your clients to believe in you and believe in your services, right? And so it is such an important and crucial skill for entrepreneurs. So I I appreciate that you uh, are talking about this and I hope this is valuable for our listeners as well. If you're listening to this and you're curious about NLP, check it out and uh, look into it. It could be beneficial for your journey. And um, to continue along this vein, you speak often of uh, limiting beliefs on your Instagram. And uh, for those of you who don't follow Dr. Ayat on Instagram, go ahead and give her a follow. Uh, it's Dr. Ayat Mekki. Okay, we're gonna drop a link in the episode show notes, also at the end of the episode as well. Uh, but go ahead and give her a follow on her Instagram. And she uh, talks a lot about overcoming self doubt, about trauma, about anxiety, about all kinds of amazing topics. And among them is limiting beliefs, which I wanna focus on today. Why is it important for us to pinpoint and overcome limiting beliefs? Why is that even an important concept to understand as entrepreneurs?
1: Okay, yeah. So that's a really good question. And to to talk about limiting beliefs, we need to define them first. Mm-hmm. So a limiting belief is a belief that we have, that we've used, utilized in our life. Like let's say one of the beliefs that I had, and I truly, truly believed it, is that when I'm very, very close to my goal, something's gonna go wrong. Mm-hmm. And I took that something going wrong as a positive sign that okay i'm close right. but at some you know like after some time that becomes exhausting because i really like just don't want to have any struggle like i want to go and be able to move smoothly and not predict something going wrong or the other shoe dropping mm-hmm. and that belief it serves me because it made me very very persistent so a limiting belief is something that will serve you it will be very very useful for some for some part of your life it could take years and years for a a belief to become limiting but this belief serves you it could give you uh patience persistence uh perseverance um maybe it's a belief that gives you um patience whatever it is you you actually benefited from it okay and then at some point you become frustrated by it and that's when it becomes limiting mm-hmm. because instead of free for me, instead of like just really visualizing something going really smoothly, I've always predicted that something's going to go off and that's when I know that that is going to work out. That's how my brain worked. I, you know, it's very odd, but that's how it worked. So it became limiting and I needed to release it. So that's a limiting belief.
0: Can you give us an example, uh, you know, of of yourself working with clients, of a limiting belief that you see a lot of entrepreneurs having, maybe or something, you know, that you see is pretty common in your clients? Um,
1: With my clients who are entrepreneurs or, you know, businessmen and women, one of the things is procrastination. Mm -hmm. And that's a big one for anyone and not necessarily just businessmen or entrepreneurs or businesswomen. So procrastination, usually underneath procrastination is... This belief is a limiting belief, so we can immediately see that okay, procrastination is really affecting their life in in a way that whatever they hold they hold off and, and and not finish on their list is is something that they end up worrying about. They worry about it; it becomes stressful, and then there's a lot of pressure to get it done in a specific amount of time.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: when it that so it clearly became limiting, maybe. The belief started as I need to feel pressure in order to accomplish, which is very, very common. Again, you know, we all, all of us at some point, we thought that working under pressure makes us really good, yeah. but that's not necessarily true. So underneath procrastination can be a myriad of things. It can be that they actually are holding a lot of anger Rage underneath, because they always feel like they have to do this. They have to do it, get some things done. Maybe they they grew up in a family that placed a lot of value on accomplishment, and they were tired of doing that. So they became their own person, adult, and you no. Know, adulting can be very hard for you know for for many and once they became an adult they they decided I'm not gonna follow anyone's rules anymore I'm gonna rebel and that's when the procrastination comes in and because you know I I don't want to do that now I'm gonna do it I still have more time so but underneath it all is really a child who feel who felt a lot of pressure to perform who didn't feel seen or valued mm-hmm. and who was only encouraged and and appreciated when they brought something good to the parents mm-hmm. so so that's one ex- one major example and very very common
0: yeah now i want to ask you for someone like myself who probably has a bunch of limiting beliefs that he's not aware of and i'm guessing that's <laughs> probably the case for for many people here uh, but i'm going to be selfish and, and try to get some information for me today um What's what's, you know, uh, is there a tip or something that you can give me here to help me pinpoint, you know, OK, maybe this is a limiting belief here and maybe even give me some tips on how we should go about to overcome those limiting beliefs that we have.
1: So here I think what would be helpful is to look at the things that keep recurring that that kind of frustrates us or we don't necessarily like. Um so let's take the example of procrastination again. If I keep repeating this, then I need to look at why do I do it? I just ask myself, and this is the, this is the, this is the one thing that I would love everybody to take away from today, whether it's a pain in the body, whether it's a, a feeling or like a heaviness, close your eyes and just put one hand on your heart or, or your chest area, one hand on your belly, close your eyes, repeat to yourself, I am safe. I am safe three times and then ask yourself, how am I feeling? What is the feeling? If it's, if it's, if it's a sensation in the body, what is the sensation telling me? Because our bodies speak to us, our bodies really speak to us all the time. And this is how you actually get to know what's going on. So if you let's say, uh, procrastination causes pressure in the chest. Let's say that it started with pressure in the chest or like this really, this frustration. So I asked myself, so what is going on? What am I frustrated about? And it's because every single time I have to wait until the last minute to get things done. Mm-hmm. So where did I first experience, is, is, experience this? Just asking yourself in a moment of complete calmness where and when did I experience this for the first time? And 100% of the time it's going to be in childhood Mm -hmm. because we never start as these adults who have these limiting beliefs. All of the programs that we have have started in childhood until the age of seven because until the age of seven, from zero to seven, even in the womb, we are in a theta wave and we are programmable. We're like a, a... our brains are completely programmable by the by everything we hear, see, and feel around mm-hmm. us. It doesn't even have to be verbal or spoken. So trace, become a detective. Become curious about yourself. Instead of looking outward for an answer, look inwards. And, you know, perhaps you pray on it. Perhaps you ask, you know, Allah inspire me. I one thing that I love doing with my clients is that. Just connecting all these dots to spirituality mm-hmm. and i work with you know with um you know all clients like muslims and non-muslims and i always connected to your higher power your higher power allah can give you the answer if you decide that you want to see it if
0: you mm-hmm. decide
1: that you're ready to hear it and see it it's going to come and it's going to be very very clear so just ask you know allah show me when did this first start When did that, when did this feeling start? Because I really want to release it. I don't want to get rid of it because getting rid of something implies that this is something that is bad and immediately your body goes into protecting you and not allowing you to release that emotion. But if you think of it as something that is a part of you that has served its purpose and is now ready to be freed, then your body is going to be very, your brain is going to be very, very cooperative with you.
0: Hmm so with what you're saying here it's got me thinking because right now we do live uh, in an age of, of very constant distraction right and everything that we have available to us is pretty much instant and so whenever we need that distraction we have it available whether it's through our phones through our computers through television through the internet anything at all uh everything instantaneous and for for yourself to say that we have to look inwards um, it's very powerful and it's very beautiful because I feel like a lot of us have a fear towards looking inwards and a lot of us maybe subconsciously distract ourselves. And I, I'm a victim of this myself. That's why I say a lot of us, because I'm, I'm including myself in this statement. We just dist- we tend to sometimes distract ourselves with the outward because that's easier than taking the time to pause and face the inward because sometimes it's a little bit scary and you don't know what you're going to find. And so a lot of times we'd rather just ignore it. Have you ever seen that before? Would you agree with that?
1: I was that person. Of course. <laughs> of course, all of us are afraid to look inward because we were never shown how to. We don't know if we are going to like the person we see inside or not. We don't know if our identity that we've identified with our whole lives till this moment is going to change and shift after we discover what we discover. Of course, it's one of the most uh, rational fears ever, in my opinion, to be scared of looking inward initially because you don't know what you might find. And if you find it, will I still like myself? This is so human. And one of the most important pieces for me is self-compassion, self-compassion. And I always, you know, uh, liking it, liking it to like, for example, like when with, even with marriage, the, the two, the two cornerstones are compassion and mercy, right? So and this is so important to have in our relationships with ourselves, Otherwise, we draw in a partner who does not have, who neither has compassion nor mercy on us. And that can be a very difficult relationship. The same applies for ourselves, for our relationship with ourselves. It is so important that we look through the lens of compassion, not through the lens of judgment. If you're judging yourself and your inner critic is super, super loud, you need to find stillness and quiet it down by not by ignoring it but by acknowledging its presence and really speaking to that like one of the exercises i put out um before on my instagram is for you to actually speak to the negative emotion because we we label it negative but it's neither negative it's or or positive we can look at it as an emotion a neutral emotion so even if it's sadness so we look at sadness and say sadness i acknowledge your presence but i would really love to move from this you know moment can i can i reconvene with you later when i'm home because right now i'm in the office working right now i'm doing this podcast and i don't have the time but as soon as i go home i'm going to sit with you and really find out what's going on or if you have the opportunity you just say sadness i really would love to move on from this from this Um, emotion what do you need from me because it is your inner child crying for help Mm. any emotion that is triggered within us is our inner child seeking us out really just nudging us because there's something off maybe it is not feeling safe and not feeling safe by the way has nothing to do with the with the environment It, it has everything to do with not feeling seen and not feeling heard because when we were children perhaps maybe we're, we were told that we're too sensitive or stop crying so our emotions are trapped inside of our bodies and by the way this is little trauma little trauma is accumulative trauma so it's it's trauma that happens over and over and over and over again that we don't even think about as adults we don't think about all the times that we really would love would have we really needed someone to be there with us but we didn't. You know, trauma, what is trauma? Trauma is going through a hard experience without having support. That's when it becomes trauma. Mm. But emotions are normal. It's normal to go through emotions. If we face, you know, um, if we face really hard times, we're going to cry. We're going to be sad. And You know, we're going to grieve for the loss of loved ones. But when feeling alone with this emotion, this is trauma. Mm
0: we're touching on so many points. Thank you so much for that. And you, when you're sharing this, I'm just, I'm just reflecting on myself and really thinking to myself. After this episode, I need to go and take notes again, and I need to apply all of this in my life immediately because uh, this is definitely something that I need to do as well. And I think, you know, for a lot of us, as you mentioned, these are things that we tend to ignore, and we always tend to look at things at a service level, right? Of uh, maybe I'm, I'm feeling a certain way, or I'm not motivated today, or I'm you know, feeling a certain sadness, I'm just sad because, you know, something around me is happening or is going wrong. Um, but maybe taking that time to look a little bit deeper and really find the root cause will allow us to then be able to achieve our fullest potential and shine more brightly, um, as we go through our lives inshallah. And and with that, I wanted to ask you, what is a tip that you can give us maybe some habits that we can implement or just something that we can do as entrepreneurs, Um, When we're facing self-doubt, when we're doubting ourselves, doubting our ability to succeed or doubting our ability to achieve our goals.
1: Self-doubt. First, you know, that's a really good question. I think it's really important to normalize self-doubt because self-doubt is not really um, it doesn't mean anything is wrong. It doesn't mean that we're not confident. It doesn't mean anything because confidence also is a skill. It's not really a feeling; like it's 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 a skill. Like you know, you feel confident, yes, but it's a skill that you develop when you practice. The more you practice, the more confident you become. But self doubt has a lot to do with how we see ourselves, our self esteem, our image of ourselves. So if our if our self esteem and our image of ourselves is low, then self doubt is going to kick in. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, it would be very good to actually check in and and ask, what is it that I'm doubting myself in? Mm -hmm. Do I really believe that I don't have what it takes to do this? Or perhaps I need more training. Maybe, Maybe you need more training. Maybe you need more mentorship. Maybe you need to seek out someone to support you. But maybe it's just imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome it never hits someone who doesn't have the knowledge. When imposter syndrome shows up, it's with those people who actually are so good at what they do, they just just feel like they're still missing out on information. And this this journey of life is about learning, growing, and evolving. We're always going to be learning. And we never know what we don't know. Like, we don't know what we don't know. There's so much that we still don't know. And if we keep a curious outlook on life and on not about, you know, other people and getting in their business, but a curious outlook on what else can I learn? What else, how else can I, can I um, uh, gain more experience? And one of the other things about self-doubt is that there is no course, there is no, no specific thing that will help you with self-doubt if you're not willing to look at what's underneath it. So always ask, where is this coming from? And again, where did this start? Where did this begin? When have I first experienced this? And it's going to go back to childhood. Maybe not in the very first uh, time we ask, we're going to be taken to childhood because our brain is you know, like still getting to know us, like this intimate part of us, like we are still developing this relationship. Initially, it, there's gonna be a resistance to going anywhere in the past. So just ask, when have I felt this recently and what was going on then? Because there's always a situation that is tied to the self-doubt. But knowing that it's a normal part of life, it's nothing to be, it, it shouldn't debilitate us. When it becomes debilitating, when it stops us from moving forward, that's probably a good time to ask for help and support. Maybe even call a friend and just say, I'm doubting myself and I'm, I'm doubting my ability right now. Can you please give me a pep talk or someone mm-hmm. close in your life who can actually do that for you? It's not really about a big big actions it's really about the small things mm. the more your brain your inner child that is still inside of you knows that you are there and present and not distracted by you know what's happening in the world the more your relationship with yourself will become deeper and deeper and the and the better you know yourself the better all your relationships in life become mm. even business becomes so you know so joyful and less challenging.
0: I think the big lesson from from this episode really is to dive beneath the surface and to really try to examine the source of everything that we feel and really understand ourselves and look inwards. And I think that's the common theme here that we must take away.
1: Yeah because all the answers are inside of us not outside of us. And uh, one thing that I love my clients to do is, I love for them to share the knowledge they learn in my in our sessions so I tell them like if you if you know someone who will benefit from what you experienced tell them show them give them the tips because at the end of the day it's not really about it's it's not about it's not a, it's not about protecting the the techniques and the secrets because no one will be able to do what I do like me Every person in this world is unique, and they are gifted in a unique way. But for example, when you said uh, you're going to take notes and go and like and sit and take notes, take the notes and and show them to like to people you care about. Tell them like this is what you need to do. I learned this tip. This is going to be very helpful to you. It's about sharing the knowledge because the knowledge does not belong to one specific person. Mm -hmm. so and also having intentions one of the most important things super super important is intention intention is extremely powerful and setting an intention has to be done in a way that connects with a a positive emotion so when you're setting an intention to start on the self-discovery journey just by yourself, just really connecting with the emotion, an emotion like gratitude, recalling a, recalling something that happened in your day that you are grateful about. It can be any emotion, gratitude, joy, happiness, contentment, peacefulness, Mm -hmm. relaxation, whatever it is, connect with that emotion and as soon as your heart fills up with that emotion, set the intention with Allah and just say, Allah help me with, my intention is to Go on this self self discovery journey, and I want your help. I'm asking for your help because this is this is magic. Honestly, it's magical.
0: Mm. I love that, Mashallah. Thank you so much for sharing that and for everything that you've shared so far today. I want to ask you a question that I ask every single guest that comes on the show, and I'm very curious to hear your answer. Uh, And the question is the following: If you could meet Doctor Aya from a few years ago when you just got laid off from your you know 10-year-long career, and you were just imba- just about to embark on this journey of entrepreneurship. And you could tell her one thing that she could hold on to throughout this journey that she could, you know, keep remembering herself of almost like a mantra. What would that one thing be? <laughs>
1: wow okay i love first of all I, I love that question i wasn't expecting it at all but i would actually i would definitely tell her to loosen up mm. to relax more and to snap out of it quickly
0: <laughs> <laughs> i love that why Why would you tell her those things what do you feel because, she
1: was going through? well oh wow like At that time, I had the weight on my shoulder, the weight of the world on my shoulders. Mm. I made it my responsibility uh, to fix everything and to help everyone. I barely had any time for myself. I was going through a really hard time in my personal life. And all of it was because I have burdened myself with responsibilities that were not mine. I made myself the, you know, the, the responsible person for so many things that I, that aren't even mine. They don't belong to me. So I would definitely tell her to snap out of it. Snap out of it is something that my coach taught taught me actually. And it is not to, to ignore something, but it is rather to really hone in on what's going on, snap out of it in order to go through the process of clearing it Mm -hmm. so not staying and dwelling in the emotion that is that 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 is holding a negative charge because that can actually you know that's and also that's the that's where the shaitan will come in and do the and everything because that's the that's actually you know the most power that you know, the, the devil has is to actually whisper into our ears and just tell us to do things. We are far more powerful. So when we snap out of it quicker, we get go through the process quicker. So that's why I would say that to her because those words really changed my life from my coach as well. And this is one of the things that I continue to do. In you know, is to coach with someone, mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily because I look. I look up to them and see that they have; they're superior to me. But no, because because I hold the space for so many people, and I would love someone to hold the space for me, and tell me, and talk to me, and teach me about my blind spots. We all have them.
0: Right. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that advice is something that we can all take to heart, right? Uh, and a lot of us that are listening um, might be going through those same feelings and emotions and so that's why i love to ask that question because it gives some advice for people who might be going through that phase in their life right now so we have a few questions that did come in from the audience as well i know we've uh you know we've already been on uh 15 so we've had so much to talk about but there are so many questions also that came in from the audience um so I will try to take a few uh as well on that end hopefully we can answer some of our listeners questions one of them is a really interesting and beautiful question here Uh, from one of our listeners. And uh, they're asking, what happens when the floodgates of all these childhood emotions and traumas are released? Would an NLP coach be able to help you work through the feelings that surface in these sessions?
1: That's a really, really good question. Now, um, I will speak for myself uh, when the, the floodgates of all these childhood emotions come up in my sessions and when the trauma surfaces. I know how to hold the space because I've had, you know, other than NLP, I've had, I have experience and I have, and I have always taken courses to, to really learn about trauma, Ah. but would an NLP coach help you work through those? I don't know, but I can (laughs) that's how I can best answer this question is that I can, because when we talk about trauma, it's really important that we just don't talk about it over and over because that can be re-traumatizing and Mm re-triggering. So we want to be able to really, like I'll just say snap out of it and move into action on how to release it.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. We're going to take one more as well. Uh, What is the relationship between ruminating on one's past events and anxiety? Are those connected or are those two different struggles so you know struggling with the past and anxiety
1: that's a great question yeah that's a great question uh, ruminating is about the past and anxiety is about the future Mm -hmm. so ruminating on emotions it is the it's like we use uh we use the knowledge that we have now and tell ourselves why we didn't why didn't we act on it back then which doesn't make any sense because we grew from that point and we learned and we now know how we could have responded. But mm-hmm. there's no point spending time there because the best thing about the past is that it's past. and that's what Dr. Bandler always say always says. So the past is something to learn from. What we have is this present moment that creates our future. So if we're spending our time, and again, I did a video before on something called future tripping. So we mm-hmm. take these trips into the future, and we become, you know, so anxious and so worried about something that hasn't even happened yet that we have the power to actually create or co-create in the future if we focus on this present moment now.
0: Mm-hmm. And I hope I this that.
1: answers the question. Yeah,
0: Definitely, definitely. There's there's many more, but we'll try to take one or two more, inshallah, uh, from the ones here that we have. So one of them is, um, I worry that my that my anxiety. One of our listeners is asking. I worry that my anxiety is sabotaging sabotaging my relationship. What can I do in the moment to give my partner credit and show love when I feel myself spinning off from something small that they did or said?
1: Oh, so I, you know, I have. Uh, I'm like I'm sending this uh, uh, the the person who asked this question like yeah. a ton kind of positive en- energy, and I know how you feel. One thing that you need to understand about anxiety is that it is protecting you. Wow. How is it protecting you? And if you, in the moment when you're feeling anxious, if it's, it depends on the level of anxiety, but if your anxiety is at a level where you can actually work with it, you can ask, What am I anxious about? And how is this protecting me right now? Mm. And also being extremely vulnerable with your partner and saying, Listen, there are moments when I feel very anxious, and it has nothing to do with you or what you, you know, did or didn't do. But it has everything to do with me and how I feel. And it would be really helpful to me if you could do X, Y, Z when I'm feeling anxious,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because it is all about really bringing anxiety into the relationship and and giving it a giving it a place where it is not. super judgmental because it is a protective mechanism Mm -hmm. find out how your body is protecting you by giving you anxiety and find out the root cause of that anxiety and start working there it's from childhood for sure i love that
0: i love that mashallah i love that we're going to do one last one and this one is also uh from one of our listeners and uh this one here uh is an interesting one. So I've always been a troubled sleeper, but last month, especially I didn't get more than a few hours each week. I'd love some suggestions on what's helped others let go of guilt, shame, or anxiety that comes when I'm alone. So I know these are all questions that kind of tie into each other. Uh, so they might have similar responses, but if you have anything, maybe to tell this person uh, they haven't, able to yes. get much of yeah, go ahead.
1: So guilt, like I've always thought of guilt as a an emotion that is useless it doesn't help us we cannot use guilt to do something positive so the best thing about guilt so I'm going to address guilt and shame separately because guilt is an emotion that we learn it's not something that we are born with it's something it's learned behavior so if you feel guilty move into action what is it that you can do now to release that Uh, experience that you feel guilty about so is it an apology that needs to be made make the apology if it's something that you need to do for someone do it but don't ruminate in the guilt because the guilt is also giving you the 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 the, uh impression that you are so powerful that you could have done something else instead Mm. or that you could have prevented this whole situation from happening if you look at the situation look at it from the lens of what is this situation teaching me and how could I I have uh, done better so that I can actually do this for the next time, but not in a sense where you're actually punishing yourself and judging yourself. Shame is a universal emotion that most men and women have, and shame is again a learned behavior. It is about something that you have done. Shame needs... So this depends on how, you, how shame can be released spiritually by asking Allah to forgive and, you know, to forgive us and repenting really intentionally. But shame is so universal because we get shamed as young children for the least, for the, like for the littlest things, for sometimes very silly things that we don't yet understand. So shame and guilt can, you know, lead to troubled sleep, obviously. But work with someone who can release this shame and guilt from you. But more importantly, work with yourself and God to release it. Because that's where you need to start anyway. And where you need to find out why is this, you know, happening. And it's not not useful. Let it go.
0: Mm -hmm. sister you've shared so many golden nuggets so many gems this episode and there is honestly so much that one can take away from this episode mashallah and i've enjoyed it so much and i myself will be taking away so many notes here and i want to ask you if someone can connect wants to connect with you they want to continue hearing from you learning from you where's the best place that they should go
1: Instagram. I'm most um, like I'm always like I'm all, all, my, all my time is uh, on social media is spent on Instagram and I'm very happy. Don't think that you have to work with me in order for me to answer your questions. This is what I do every single day. I'm very active in the DMs. Send me a message. I'm responsive and I promise I'm not going to sell you anything uh it is my pleasure to work with people from all around the world and alhamdulillah have a really busy practice but i'm also i love connecting with people getting to know them so send me a message ask me a question Mm -hmm. follow me i really put i put a lot of stuff on my stories that is that seems to be interesting and people like so follow me and check my stories and inshallah i wish everybody healing i the more we heal the more the world heals 100%. And then we contribute to heal generations, and that's just
0: amazing. 100. So, guys, the link is on the screen right now: Instagram.com/slash/doctordr. Ayat A Y A T. me kki The link is on screen. If you're listening uh, to the audio version of this podcast, then you'll find the episode in the sorry, the link in the episode show notes, um, and thank you so much for such a wonderful episode and such thank a great conversation we appreciate you, thank you so much, much
1: for having me i really really had so much fun thank you so much for having me Adela. and jazakallah like for all that you do and i look forward to you know listening to this podcast as well
0: definitely <laughs> definitely i mean i'm probably going to give it another listen as well and i know my team is has enjoyed this immensely they give me a few messages in the back and already telling me how amazing this was uh and also from the comments of our listeners mashallah so for that we really really appreciate you and and really this was a great episode thank you
1: thank you thank you so much
0: and y'all know the routine guys so thank you so much for listening to this episode if you enjoy this podcast make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast whether you're listening on itunes or spotify uh, wherever it is you're listening or watching inshallah and of course um, you can also follow us on your favorite social platforms. Just search Umarpreneur. We're almost everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, wherever you want to be, we'll be there. And if you'd like help with starting your own online business or taking your business to the next level, you can book a call with us for free. It's umarpreneur.com slash call. The link is umarpreneur.com slash call. We'll speak to you to, to understand what your goals are and how we can help you get to the next level, inshallah. Until then, we'll see you next episode. As-salamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.